Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to On the Line. It's February 20th. I'm Corey Mall here with Olivia Ekbenet and Ashley Titians here in the studio. We've got everything for you this week, but today's podcast is brought to you by Firefly, a revolutionary, portable, and clinically proven full body recovery device used by professional, collegiate, and elite high school runners to recover three times as fast. Firefly Recovery Redefined. For athletes, coaches, or fans interested in Firefly, use promo code MILESPLIT to receive 15% off any Firefly starter kit purchase. We talked about this last week, but Firefly, we've all used it. We all like it. Yes. We're all going to use it again. Yes. And I actually had a chance to talk with Brian, too. He ran the Austin Half Marathon this weekend, and he said he put those bad boys on after he was done racing, got a massage, and it just helped him bounce back. Like, yesterday he was in the office just springing around the office like he didn't even run a half marathon. Love it. Love it. Help with recovery for that. Love it. Mm -hmm. Just all those, you know, electrics going through the legs. Love it. Great. All right, Firefly. Use promo code MILESPLIT to receive 50% off any Firefly starter kit purchase. On today's show, we'll recap five of the best race videos of the week. We'll recap a national all-conditions best, and then maybe a little bit about the ensuing Mm. controversy about something entirely different. Mm -hmm. We'll dive into under-the-radar athletes. We'll talk a national record that we think that all is but assured to be broken, and then we'll finish with the national meet of the week, which is the PTFCA Indoor State Championships but first, we got to talk to our girl, yes, girl. Elizabeth Leishman, <laughs> the sophomore from Bernie Champion, broke a high school national record in the 3,200 meters to begin her outdoor season. Then this past week, she broke it again, clocking a time of 9.43.74. She's the reigning Texas state champion in the 1,600 meters. And in December, she won a Foot Locker Nationals title. She's a girl who's doing everything now. It's Elizabeth Leishman. Hey, Elizabeth. How are you? Thanks for being on our show. Hi, I'm good. How are y'all? I think we're fantastic. We keep seeing you just rock these (laughs) 3,200 meters like it's nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's been a fun start to the season for sure. (laughs) All right, let's start with that outdoor opener uh, a few weeks back, 945 in San Antonio, which was a new outdoor national record. Uh, talk, talk us through a little bit with that race. Can you reflect a little bit about going out there for the first time outdoors? How did it play out for you? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know what to expect. It's been a while since I've run a track meet, I guess. And so, yeah, I was kind of going into it with no expectations, but kind of just the idea of wanting to see what I was able to do. And, having my teammates there and just my coaches to really support me really helped me run the race better than I had anticipated. So it was a really great opportunity. That's awesome. And I think it's not every day that we hear someone break Caitlin Tui's national record and you happen to take it down in your season opener in that 3,200 meters. Was that something you wanted to accomplish? Like, was that something you had on your radar of like striving for this season? Um, I actually, I didn't know what her record was, not exactly. Um, I think the goal had kind of been to see if I could get close to 950. So I guess in a way, yes, but not specifically, no. And then, you know, a little bit more about that race, too, is a little nugget that I just, it just kind of blows my mind a little bit. I know when you broke that record and ran that 945, your coach said that you were, you were laughing. You were just kind of like, it almost seemed like it was a jog in the park for you. And, you know, something that I believe it was supposed to be a workout, but then I believe you hit under five minutes in that first mile. And then you just kind of shrugged like, well, I guess we might as well keep going with it. Like, I guess in some of those, you know, those record setting races like that, how are you able to still just dial in such a fast pace? Um, in almost like a nonchalant fashion almost. 
Um, I mean, I think having my teammates there just really helped. I think that sometimes people don't take into account how helpful that is, but the whole time, all the way around the track, I had teammates cheering me on, supporting me, yelling my splits, encouraging me. And so I that just made all the difference. Now your your indoor season, I'm assuming, isn't quite over yet. Am I correct in that assumption? Yes. I'll be going to Nike or National in March. Okay. Well that that's great. I'm assuming like training doesn't really change. Uh, but when you, you sort out how to attack that indoor race, obviously it's a little different competing on a 200-meter banked track as opposed to an outdoor track. Um, so as you look ahead to Nike Indoor, like what, what are your plans and how do you attack maybe your last indoor race of the season? I think really just trying to work with what the field has to offer. I know there's a lot of girls that race different ways. And so I think I kind of just want to be able to be flexible and to really learn to race no matter how it goes out instead of being set in a specific plan. So I think right now that's kind of the mindset I have going into it. Any big differences for you that you've noticed running on 200 meter bank tracks as, as opposed to outdoors? I think it's more fun because you have that little checkpoint um, more often. So it's like whenever you get to see that split and feel like you've done a lap, I feel like it's encouragement to keep going. So, Elizabeth, we have just seen you blossom into such a mature individual over the last year. What would you say motivates you to get get out there and compete? Yeah, I think really my support system is key for that. My teammates are just incredible and I have great coaches who have helped me along the way. And just my parents and their support throughout this has really helped me to stay motivated. And I think that they always put priority on me making sure I'm still enjoying it. And so because of that, I'm able to get out there and go do what I need to do. Now, maybe I feel like maybe some people are surprised to see Elizabeth Leachman taking down Caitlin Tui's record a whole bunch of times, running all these fast times. But I know all three of us here, we're not surprised to see that. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with we saw you during the cross-country season run and it, just an insane workout. You ran the Michigan, which if anyone knows what the Michigan is, that's a pretty grueling workout. And it was just the way that you were able to dial in for that workout was, to me, super impressive. I guess maybe my question is, like, what is that one workout that you love the most that you think has been the biggest key to your improvement on the track and the cross-country course? Yeah, good question. I'm a big fan of threshold miles. I think those are a great workout, and they help you kind of get the speed you need without having to go too, too fast. So for me, I really like that one. And then we don't do it often, but the Michigan is huge because just having the team there and doing it all together, it's it's a big thing for us. So it's really great. I'm curious, what, what races are you running at indoor for Nike? Did you have you planned that out yet? Yes. Yeah, so the plan is for me to run the and the five K. Oh, we got a 5K. 5K. Elizabeth. Drop the emoji. Popcorn emoji, fire emoji. Yes. No pressure. I'm excited, though. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, different question. Um, So we noticed, I don't think you're on social media. Um, I like that a lot. Um, There's probably a lot of good reasons for that, but can you explain maybe why you're not on social media and, and what that means to you? Yeah, I think. A lot of it is just trying to stay away from the hype and then also just for the privacy of my family and my teammates. I don't know who wants what out there and just not having social media in general eliminates that issue. So, Yeah, I I think wholeheartedly there's a lot of great reasons to stay off of it. There's, you know, parts of social media that really, you know, lend to the worst things about, you know, what we see and Obviously, there's some positivity to it as well. People get to see who you are and what kind of person you are, but there's there's ups and downs to it. So um, I also I definitely understand that. Now I know you also swim, right? You're a swimmer. 
I do. I'm not very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's what's your best event? I guess the 500 free longest one. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Makes sense. Hard. What would you rather pick? A hard day in the pool or a hard day on the roads? Oh, definitely a hard day on the roads. <laughs> the pool is rough. I don't know how they do it, but... Yeah, there was no hesitation there with that response. <laughs> I, I don't blame you on that one. So kind of on that same playing field as what Corey's talking about with swimming, I, you and Parker Valby have been two athletes that have expressed that like cross training has just been a huge part of just training for you on the daily. What does cross, what does a typical tro- cross training week look like for Elizabeth Leachman? Um, it just depends on the week, I guess, and how much I'm running. But usually I'll try to run only three to four days a week. And then on the other days, I'll cross train either in the pool or on the elliptical or the arc trainer. And then occasionally I'll do a shorter session on the elliptical or on the arc trainer after I run just to kind of shake my legs out and speed up that recovery. I feel like the arc trainer is the key here. So I've yeah. noticed at the gym, uh-huh. no one ever is on the arc trainer. They need, they don't know. That's they don't, they yeah. They know that that's like the key to success, <laughs> it seems. Right. But like everyone's always on the elliptical. They're not on the arc trainer. I think that, yeah, that's a secret that only, secret. only y'all know. So I think that's great. Yeah. Okay. So Elizabeth, I feel like this 2024 season, you've been really just out there putting yourself out there and challenging yourself you ran a gutsy race at nxn and then we also saw you at milrose compete in the mile what have been what has been the biggest lesson for you that you took away from both of those races i think the biggest thing has just been learning that flexibility is so important that not every race is going to go out the same way and also that not every race it's the best the same plan is not the best for every race. So I just need to be more flexible with the way that I'm running these races and learn to have a variety of ways that I can race well instead of being set in one specific kind of mindset and plan. I love that. Now, I know you already kind of touched a little bit on your goals for Nike Indoor Nationals, but as we've already mentioned, you have been running outdoors and outdoors, you know, the season's not far around the corner like I feel like I guess what will be your main focus do you think when it comes to outdoor season officially I guess my main focus will just be trying to go to state in as many of my three events as I can I didn't get to go in the 3200 last year and I didn't run the 800 last year so to make it in two or three of those events would be really special to me now a little fun question here. I want people to know, like, what's it like? What's a fun fact about Elizabeth Felician? What is we all know you as just this in, sensational runner, but what is something that maybe people don't know about Elizabeth Leishman? Well, I would opt for sushi over pasta for any race. Oh. That's the typical meal. So wait, what? What did you? What did you say? Say that one more time. Did you say sushi? Yeah, I did. It's risky, but I go with it. <laughs> Love it. Sushi over pasta. Sushi. Sushi. Hey, I'll take sushi any day. <laughs> um, and then this is a build on to that, and it's our last question. But you are from San Antonio, like the area. Borny Champions, like 30 minutes from San Antonio. What's your favorite part about where you live, the region, the city, everything? Well, what I love about Bernie, it's pretty small. So you kind of stay away from the big city type of environment, but we're so close to the city that we can go in to get anything we need, and it's not a big hassle. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. Love it. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us uh, out of your day. We know you've got plenty of season left, a lot of good things to aspire to, and we will be rooting for you along the way, okay? So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. All righty. Elizabeth Leachman from Bernie Champion out of the San Antonio region. Uh, she is one to watch uh, yes, in yes. the future, and we're definitely looking forward to what she can do. Let's head on over to our next subject, the top 
five race videos of the week. These were compiled. You two have not seen them. And I don't want them. to. No, I, I, I want to see it live. I like how we did it last yeah. week where you yeah. got the the natural reaction of watching the video. Yeah, I like it too. We can kind of experience it together, <laughs> although I've seen it, but I know what happens. But all right, our first video that we're going to bring up here is from the CIAC State Open Indoor Championships in Connecticut. Um, it what is a 1K race, uh, a national championship level athlete. So he Dissa is in the race uh, and he kind of takes on the field here. Uh, it's very impressive. Soheb Dissa was a qualifier for Full Locker Nationals this year. Um, really good athlete. That that's I think that's a New Jersey athlete, right? Or a New Jersey race right there. But um, we're going to try to find the video in the meantime. But any thoughts on, on Dissa? I mean, really good marks here. 355 for 1500. This is the race. Very pixelated to start. But um, we can play it from this point forward. This is with about 200 meters to go in the 1K. And we got Dissa of Newton, Connecticut. Looking strong already. He's got about 100 meter starts to pull away here. Yeah, at you this can point. see that in the sprint. Flat track. 2.30 is not a shabby time either. It is not. Sure, no. Yeah. Day. On a flat track, too. Yeah, especially on a flat track. Solid effort there. Yeah. yeah. That's great effort. I pulled this because I think this is a underrated guy in some ways out of Connecticut. Um, he was 10th at the Northeast region of Foot Locker, getting himself to Foot Locker Nationals. Um, and he's only a high school junior. So races like this matter. Yes, they do. Seeing him one last time around the track. Yeah, just imagine if he had a little bit of help with a bank. Yeah. <laughs> we'll likely see him. I would think he's the type of guy that would probably perform in March at a championship. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. The next video we're going to bring out, uh, number four. Uh, it is out of Colorado from the Let's Be Real Championships in Colorado Springs this weekend. Our state editor in Colorado, Bobby Reyes, was out there. And this is going to feature Broomfield Legacies Gabriel Stepson in the 400. So this race out at Colorado, obviously they're running at altitude. Yes. Different. It is different. Helps the sprinters. Obviously there's there's like a tug and pull with altitude, right? Yeah. When it oh, comes yeah. to that. For the sprinters, it's like you get that little bit of a boost technically when you're at altitude. But when does that boost end? Is like 400 too long for like that boost? I think right about is. 400 is, is that when seems you get... That about right. Yeah. And then it gets to the point where you're feeling it like in your legs. So. Right. Right. And what I can see is, you know, Ashley and I were in New Mexico this past weekend, and the altitude is something serious. I was struggling. You were struggling? I was struggling. You were out there on runs? Ashley will yeah. tell you, I was complaining every day. Yeah, you were complaining. So... <laughs> So, yeah, I think we're bringing up now, this would be four girls 400. Um, that's the video featuring Gabrielle Stepson. There we go. Here's the start of it. This is shortly into the start of the 400 meters here at the Let's Be Real Championships. Again, Colorado Springs, flat track, 200 meters. Here we go. <laughs> All seems like they're wearing the same thing. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Gosh, 400 meters on a flat. Yeah, but three lanes wide though. Yeah, okay. Yes, three that's, lanes that's wide. Not sure what's going on there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh now we're seeing some moves. Oh, maybe? oh, inside. Oh, oh, oh. Look at the inside. inside Look at the inside. I just talked about this last week. Do not give up the inside. That's not your number one. Rule. That's the number one rule in track and field. Can't give it up. Does she come back? No, she hasn't. She has. She definitely would have won, probably. The runner-up, I think, gives it up, and I think she loses the race as a result. But, you know, it's all lessons. High school, you're supposed to lose every now and again to feel what it what it means to lose. So 
Um, good stuff from Gabrielle Stepson. She ran 58.82 uh, there at Let's Be Real. That is a season best for her. And if you want to see more content from the Let's Be Real Championships, go to Colorado Mile Split, and there's all that stuff there. Third video we're going to bring up today uh, is from the NJSIA 1600-meter final. Uh, it's titled uh, Zawatsky. Uh, it features our girl Emma Zawatsky from Freehold Township. Uh, and she's going at it in the 1600 meters where she's trying to defend her title here at the group championships. A familiar face here with Emma Zawatsky. Line. Stradado to the outside of Abbott. The rematch from sectionals. Zawatsky trying to defend her Group 4 state title. And this, this Stradado a, a got the win race two weeks ago. Um, she's not leading the Zawatsky hold her off. The final move here this to, to make sure she gave herself ample time to make that kick. So she's trying to hold off here. Uh, the girl who was most on her tail the whole season as Scruduto. It's definitely a solid one for, what, what was it, 4... 453, 453, 53, She can definitely go yeah. faster than that, but like you said, some tactics involved here just yeah. to, to get the win. Yeah. You know what a fun fact about Freehold Township that I just learned this week? What did you learn? Um, Jersey Shore cast members live in Freehold Township, I think. Really? I'm pretty That's sure. It. I'm pretty sure, yeah, uh, Mike. Mike lives there and, and Jenny, JWoww, I think. Really? I'm almost positive. Yeah, I so, you know. Cat watches the show. I was you know, we watch it. I'm pretty sure they're they're in Freehold. So, uh, fun fact about Freehold. Um, I could be wrong. Check me if I'm wrong here. All right, second to last race video here. This this is really fun. Uh, we're not technically going to hear the, the race uh, commentators at the end, but it's it's amazing. But this is the Louisiana Division One 400 meter final uh, from this weekend at Baton Rouge, uh, and it features a really really just great race overall. I know this is going to be good because we're watching it from the very beginning, which means <laughs> lots of stuff <laughs> is about to happen. Yes. <laughs> so we got uh, the, the favorite really is Warren Eastern's German Smith Mata, who's in lane four in the gold jersey. But we got a, a lot of guys chasing. Oh, wow. Out like a bullet. <laughs> like Quincy Wilson right there. I think most coaches will say be aggressive in the first 100 of the Yeah, because you got to get that pole. You want to be first in the pole. Yeah. Look at my man in fourth right now. Oh, gosh. Keep an eye on four. On four. Oh, gosh. Oh, inside. Inside? Oh, gosh. Are we about to do it? Am I? Wow. Oh, outside. Okay. Oh, look. Mata's holding him off. Wow. He had won the 60 earlier in the day and now trying to get the 400 title. Oh, to the line. To the line. Oh. Buckling. Oh. With Buckling. the dive. Not, not the face plant. Not the face plant. Thank Don't goodness. Don't you hate to see that? Last meters, you buckle just slightly. It's a tough race out there. Yeah, it's 400's tough. Hey, whoever said track is not a physical sport, try falling no. at the line, just yeah. barreling toward the finish. Um, great stuff there. John Curtis's King Taylor. One in 49-2-2. I can finally say king about an athlete. <laughs> king go. Taylor, uh, 49-2-2 here. Jermaine Smith-Mata, 49-2-4 <laughs> for second place. Uh, all right, this is the, the the main attraction. The first race here, the, the best race that I you know that we captured, is from NJSI, non-public A championships. This is the 800-meter run featuring three Union Catholic I was about to say, that's all I see. Athletes. Union Catholic. Well, we got a freshman from Oak Knoll. Also, who's going to appear in the mix here? This with is really with a minute left in the 800. This is the 800. A 207.83 by Van Riel, also the bubble venue record as well. One. I mean, that's that's three UC girls. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know how dominant they are yeah. in that yeah. right in, in that 800 middle distance area, anyways. Through this race. But it looks like they're jogging. Yeah, I, mean, I was just about to say that, Ashley. They look so controlled right now. Definitely tackled here. All right, what are our thoughts on Paige Shepard, freshman, UC, uh, 
absolute stud. Yeah, I feel like even when she was a middle schooler last year, seeing her run, I believe, at AAU and stuff, I think a lot of us figured she'd be a star this year for them. And, I mean, look at her. She's out there running that tactically like a veteran, it looks like. Yeah, she you know, does. Hollis, the Duke signee, kind of takes over here with 200 meters to go. And you kind of think that it's over at this point, right? Would you say that it feels over? It's not. Oh, oh, look at that. Oh, wow. On the turn, too. Oh, wait, but she went on the inside of the zones. Wait a second. Oh, wow. Wait a second. Oh, wait. Is that a DQ? So, in the standing, she did not get DQ'd. What? No. So, I. Really? Yes, she did not get DQ'd in the standing. So, Shepard did go on the inside there, but. Did not get DQ'd. She ended up running 215-63 to take the win. Reagan Moore of Oaknell, also a freshman, by the way, 215-71. Hollis was third in 216-42. But that was that was a crazy race. That was no? insane. Yes. Yeah, did not expect that to become so eventful at the very, like, very <laughs> end based on how that race was going. We love to see it, though. So those are state championships from this weekend. It's a more of a light week, I think, coming up. So we might not have as many race videos uh, this coming week, but uh, we'll look into it. Next topic is going to be an interesting one, to say the least. Drew Griffith mm -hmm. had a pretty wild week. On Saturday, he ran a national two-mile best at Notre Dame, uh, and he passed Edward Cheserick as the fastest high schooler ever at two miles. And then on Sunday, he learned that he may not be running in his indoor state championships due to a, a rule. Mm -hmm. Now... That's interesting. Let's let's take that in two parts. Let's okay. talk first about the national indoor best in all conditions, 8.38.67. He was one of five guys under nine minutes, followed by Ryan Pajak, Will Conway, Dylan Nally, and TJ Hansen. Olivia, thoughts here on the national best first? I think you needed to see Ashley and I this weekend. Like I mentioned, we were in New Mexico. We were at the USA Track and Field Indoor Championships. When we found out Drew Griffith was on the track, Ashley had her laptop up. And we're literally watching the splits. And we're just sitting at the computer, staring at it. Can, we, can I do a sidebar real quick? Yes. You're at the U.S. Indoor yes, Championships. Yes. This was before everything was going on. And so like, you're bringing up a high school two-mile race. Absolutely. Nothing was going on. Nothing was going on. The pole vault, <laughs> they were just doing intros of the pole vault. And there was another field event. So like, it, the, the meet was just getting started. So it wasn't like... All the big stuff was happening yeah. yet. Okay. So we're sitting there and we're watching the splits. I'm like, Ashley, wow. Like, look at it. And then all of a sudden, Drew just like separated himself. And I was like, oh, gosh, this is going to be super, super fast. And just to see his performance, like virtually through the live results, was incredible to see. Um, it just breaks my heart that it was on a 320 meter oversized track at the University of Notre Dame. So therefore, that's why this does not go down as like right. the official national high school record i think we also need to make that very clear too but the fact that drew took and it was a loaded field also like mm -hmm. he was able to take down a lot of great competitors and lead a lot of people to a lot of personal best too it was just extraordinary to see what drew griffith did that day yeah legendary race yes obviously top five guys in the u.s top five here but a lot of them went into the the record books too right ashley Absolutely. yeah like olivia mentioned i think it is worth noting like it's not like he was out there just going for a jog in the park by himself. He took, he took down a lot of really impressive athletes. Um, you know, Ryan Pajak, Will Conway, Dylan Nally, TJ Hanson, Braden Marshall, um, Riku Suji. So like, I mean, that was definitely a very competitive field that he was able to basically dominate. Um, if you're looking at the results, but it also makes me think back to like, it's just crazy because it's only February. Yeah. You know? That's and scary. The yeah. other thing too, is when I think back to like some of the craziest, like, 32 two-mile performances mm -hmm. I've seen. I think back to Arcadia last year when you had Simeon, Danny Simmons, Rocky yep. Hansen. Yep. I mean, they all ran sub-840 outdoors there at Arcadia, and that's outdoors. Obviously, this yep. is basically almost an outdoor 400-meter track, 320 meters, but it was indoors. It's only February. It does make you think, like, all right, where could this take him next? Maybe? Right. I, I was going to make that same parallel. I oh, think. Really? Yeah. With the 3,200 <laughs> meters, I think you look, over the course of the track season, April is always a time where we know fast times are going to happen. Right. So for him to do this indoors at this time, it just it's 
you don't expect it at all. Like personally, me going into this, I was like, there's no way. There's no way. Like the best anyone was, ran was 855. Like the best we could hope for is like 850. Yeah. So to see 838, it's an oversized track. I think that absolutely puts an asterisk oh. on it. Yeah. For sure, 100%. And it was paced through the first mile from what we understand. Um, and then that pacer drops. So there, there are some things about this that make it a little different. Um, but that being said, like just to think about two back-to-back sub 420s in high school. Only 120 boys have broken 420 this year. Drew Griffith just put two back-to-backs mm-hmm. in that race. I, I think that is incredible. Um, and it's just not common. The interesting part about this is that Simplot this weekend, our, our boy Danny Simmons ran 848, which converts down to 834 with the altitude. Yep. So, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. At nationals, I'm going to be super curious to see what people race. Like, mm-hmm. I could see this go different ways, right? You could see him maybe try another fast two mile. You could see him maybe do the mile. What about that 5K, too? And a 5K would be really interesting with him yeah. and Danny Simmons. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. Danny Simmons I think so. 5K last year and ran really fast against Tyrone Gorzy, So Personally, I would pick the two mile over the 5K because I think the 5K is a lot of distance. People can break down. Yeah. Um. I don't think Danny or Drew would break down, but like it be- might become less of a race. You'd have more guys in it toward the end in a two mile. Uh, but that being said, and also Danny Simmons broke 14 last year in the yeah. 5K. So either want to go back to it, break a national record or, or you know, something else. So right. all things to consider here. Now, the second part of this is the, the more interesting side of it. You know, he, he has an awesome display on Saturday. On Sunday, he learns that basically he might not be able to run PTFC Indoor State Championships because in early February in Boston, he ran a mile that was paced by professional. Drew ran 402. And that was PA's top time. He entered, his coaches entered the, the mark at the state championships and nothing was kind of said of it until the deadline. And they said, this race doesn't, we're not accepting it because there was a pacer in it. If you see in the meet information, we're not letting any mark that was run with a pacer or collegiates in. Um, so there was an appeal there by the coaches uh, basically saying, like, you saw it. Why didn't you let us know? Like, obviously, we could have theoretically run another race. Um, so there's a little bit of that. The appeal came. The PTFC thought about it long and hard, ultimately decided on Monday to put him in the race. So, what are our thoughts on this situation? Should Drew Griffith have been allowed to race this weekend in the mile? And Ashley, I'll go to you first. You're going to me first. Okay. (laughs) I I feel like my answer is a very nuanced answer. Personally, here's what the rule reads. I I copied down what the rule reads going into this meet. No marks performed in competition against college or post-high school age athletes or or outdoor surfaces will be accepted. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at this, New Balance indoor grand prix mm-hmm. you have jackson hoey i believe who is the pro in there pacing them mm-hmm. so technically you know there was a pro in there like someone that wasn't high school age even though he was a pacer you know in that race so theoretically like that mark shouldn't be accepted mm-hmm. i you know and i'm like you know rules are rules like that sucks um to me that reads pretty cut and dry um you know he didn't have another mile like as you mentioned he didn't have another mile performance from a meet this season that didn't include a pacer that was I believe the only mile he had run this season um so I guess that's kind of how I I look at it and then but now I'm like you know like they decide to let him in I feel like you have to now change the rule if you're going to make that exception you've got to like you've now set a precedent that like oh this can happen and we can still let you in if you're nationally elite or something Mm -hmm. like that which that's a whole nother subject i feel like in its own right um so yeah now i'm like i guess just change the rule and this issue doesn't happen again like or just don't accept his mark in general keep the rule but it's at this point it's like you've already set like i said set this precedent that like you can do that and still get into it's yeah you're kind of acquiescing basically to somebody's strong argument about this and you're saying hey because you're this good we're gonna sort of look at it obviously there's some issues on both sides of it 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 definitely is a nuanced conversation olivia where do you where do you stand on it i agree with ashley after reading like the rule it's black and white to me if a post high school age athlete is in the race and that starting gun goes off 
I don't care if he doesn't finish. I don't care if he took a few steps. Like, he's in the race. And, of course, he was a pacer. So, for me, it's like I don't blame Drew Griffith at all. Um, I feel like this is something where coaches need to really pay attention to the rule book. A rule is a rule. I want to bring up something that we saw last year. I'm thinking about Brody Buffington. I know this was something that like it was bro this was Brody's action. This was an athlete that did it. Like Brody Buffington got DQ'd twice mm-hmm. for celebrating across the finish line at the indoor state championships and at the outdoor state championships and he was DQ'd. We saw Antoine Hughes at his state championships just a small little flinch. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes. DQ'd in the 55 at the state meet. So for me, I also agree with Ashley. Like, the rule is a rule. However, now I honestly agree. Like, I feel like the state association has to change this rule because it's like you bent the rules. You allowed another athlete to – and I understand, like, it's Drew Griffith. Like, this is a really big athlete that wants to defend his title – allow him to compete. So what I think about is this era that we're in, we saw it with Shanti Jackson last year. We saw it with Mia Brahe Pedersen um, during the indoor season last year, that these athletes want to compete. They want to be challenged, allow them to compete against the collegiate athletes, the professional athletes. I think that's a great opportunity for them to develop as individuals, allow them to do that. But I feel like moving forward, I feel like this rule needs to be changed and just say, Hey, you just need to have a performance to your name to allow yourself enter the state meet. But I also get where the state association is probably coming from, where they're like, we want our kid, like we're protecting the kids and we want them to compete against athletes their own age. I get that too. But now that Drew Griffith has been allowed into the state meet, I feel like you can't, we can't have that rule now moving forward. I'm not so, I I think, um, caught up with that. I I think there's some arguments to to be made about keeping the role and kind of having more, uh, disclosures or information about it in next year. But for me, I am also, I'm really torn because on the one hand, I'm, I'm really pro opportunity. Yeah. You know, athletes should be allowed opportunities to race if mistakes are, if mistakes happen. And the one aspect about rules is obviously rules are created, but rules always aren't always the best emblems of what things are like laws are made to be changed mm-hmm. right that's the system we live in we laws can be changed over time and i think this is, is this is one of uh, the rules i think of the sport maybe written decades ago or, yeah. or or you know maybe maybe recently but like obviously the sport has changed for elite athletes like Drew griffith who are given opportunities like this to race different kinds of races that rule was put in place to, to make the state championships equitable and balanced for every athlete yeah. for the athlete in the middle of the country or in the middle of Pennsylvania that only races in their local region who runs a 418 mile is, is equal to the guy who travels to Boston to be you um, that, that race is a fast mile, but he's against collegians. So that's not, that's not necessarily the same sort of balanced, um, race as the other one right it's it's giving people that don't necessarily have resources um equitable stakes against people that might have some so i i get that with the ptfca and and on on the butler side too rules obviously are, are meant to be changed and the opportunity here i think presents itself but you know it's 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 a really tough thing because i think in high school this is the time of your life where you should be learning hard lessons if there is a mistake made, right, you kind of have to feel the effects of mm. what some of those things, how they impact you, right? Yeah. Very clearly, I think he should not run the mile based on this rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to take that hard lesson in. I know you're Drew Griffith, but like, think about the 418 miler who, 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 could, who, who goes to Boston next year and runs against pros, and now he brings that to the table next year and says hey yeah you know drew griffith did it right that's not, why that's can't what, i yeah that's um, what we're all thinking that's why i think you need to keep the rule because if you open it up and you change it then that that lets anybody in pa that has the resources to go anywhere they please to get a fast time and come back in the state championships oh i see your point yeah it's but also I mean? I'm just like, it happened you know and we can just have the same conversation like if 
it's like another kid, as you mentioned, runs 418 at BU, but they can say, but you allowed Drew Griffith to run the state meet last year. Yeah. I'm, d- I'm doing the exact same thing. We have a chat. All right, from we have Brian, a... From Brian Dival. <laughs> okay, Dival. Let's go, <laughs> Dival. What's up? It wasn't his mistake, though. It was his coach's. Exactly. It's, so Brian so but unfortunately, the, Drew's the one that is suffering the consequence. Listen, to think that Drew didn't know is is abstaining him basically from all liability here. I He, he knew. His coaches knew. I'm not saying he, he made like a, a decision solely forcing PTFCA's hand, but they all knew. I mean, they read the rule book. It's not on only his coaches. It's on everybody, his his. I, I, honestly, I would say like his his family, him, his coaches, everybody who puts him into the race should understand what's there. It, the blame shouldn't go on one person entirely. Like I'm just like I understand that, but like when he ran the race, he should have known the rules beforehand. So just run after like your team goes and they have their season opener. Just use it as a workout. Run a mile as a season, you yeah. know, as a workout, and that would have been fine. But now we're coming yeah. down, and, and I also feel as though, like, it's not the state association's job necessarily to communicate. Exactly. I agree with that, that as like, well. Like, hey, it did I, not. I agree with that. It doesn't pass. It's not It's not, their, it's, it's not be know? like, oh, okay, you have your mile entered. I need to figure out what this, this race actually means and look deeply into it. No, they, they have a whole body of, of, of schools and, and, and athletes that they have to look over. Um, constituency, as you may, like they're not going to look at one thing and and come back to you and say, "Hey, this isn't uh, acceptable at this point." Like they have a larger job to do, not just one person. So, I don't know. It's it's very, very it's a whole yeah. very nuanced tough thing. Yeah. So, like you said, it's hard because it's like you you were pro you're pro opportunity, but yeah. it's also like rules are rules. Yeah, no. yeah. Interesting enough, he's going to race on Sunday at the PTFCA State Indoor Championships. And, you know, these are all sort of our opinions. We we wish Drew the best in yes. the mile. We're not hating at all. We're just kind of voicing where we stand and how we feel about it. So let's move on um, and go to athletes who are right now kind of low profile, but amazing in their own rights. The elite athletes that we're not really talking about right now. Dominic Curley, Elisa Samuel, Dana Wilson, Ethan Edgeworth, all of these athletes. Alden Morales, I would actually add to that too. Um, low profiles, but doing some amazing things uh, this year. Olivia, let's go to you. We need to talk about Elisa Samuel a little bit more <laughs> than what, we're, what we've mentioned. I feel like she's been kind of like underneath the surface a lot this season. She's only competed twice. She competed at the VA showcase and she also competed at Milrose games, which I don't think people knew because she was in that professional field. So she wasn't in the high school race, but the fact that she's us number one in both the 55 and the 60 meters just speaks volumes on just the talent that she has right now. She's gone 775 in the 55 meter hurdles and then 826, which she ran at the Milrose Games. And so she's a young, talented lady to the right of your screen there. Um, but she's just a talented individual. We saw her blossom last year. And so that's when she really caught, she's been on my radar since then. But her indoor season has been pretty quiet, like just two performances to her name. And I feel like we we can't forget about her. So. This is an opportunity for for us to remind the world the talented yep. hurdler that she yep. is. Yep. Love it. Ashley. I get to talk about someone from my home state. <laughs> I had to talk about Dana Wilson. She competes for Greensboro Day School in North Carolina. She's a senior there. Totally underrated when you look at what she's done in the 55 and the 60 meters this season. She's gone 742 in the 60, and that was at the Mondo Elite High School Invitational, which is good for NC number one, U.S. number 14. So she's up there in those national rankings. And she's also at U.S. number 14 in the 55, which she ran 694 at the NC Runners Independent Schools Indoor Championship just last week. Um, but I feel like, again, she's underrated and she shouldn't be because if you look at what she did last year, she had a really good season at national championship meets, right? Mm-hmm. At Adidas Outdoor Nationals, I believe she won the 100 and was mm-hmm. second in the 200 there. And then she was second in the 60 at Nike Indoor Nationals last year to, I believe, only Mia Brahe Pedersen. Yep, yep. So this girl's up there. I mean, again, she's competing with people like Mia Brahe Pedersen, who is arguably one of you know the top sprinter high school in the nation right now. Um, so yeah, I feel like she's one that you got to watch out for, especially when we get into these national championships. Sneaky good. She's sneaky good. Sneaky Sneaky good. good. Sneaky good. Lisa has always been good, but under the radar, but she's sneaky good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dominic Corley out of Spokane, Washington. This guy, I 
I don't know. We haven't really. Obviously, he's competing in Washington. Spoke in Invitational earlier this year. Went six six four in the sixty, which is number thirteen all time. That's crazy because we weren't talking about Dominic over the outdoor season, right? Comes into the indoor, he goes six six four, six six six, six seven zero, six seven three, six seven four. He's clearly the number one runner at sixty meters this this season. The only guy that's probably close by is Jelani Watkins. Um, but this is spectacular in the sense that he is shot up through the moon in the course of six months to be the best indoor 60-meter sprinter uh, that we're seeing right now. Can he go after 6.57 by Asama Singa and Casey Comis? Do we think Mr. Corley, who just competed at U.S. Indoors and ran 6.66, can run 6.57 in March? I don't know. You don't think that? I don't know. What we saw Asama Singa and, you know, Casey Kumbas do, I think, is just out of this world. Yeah. Assam's last 60 of his indoor season last year was 6.57. So. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't want to be a hater. but He like, literally opened with the 6.64. Like, the, I think he's capable. I okay. think he's capable. Okay. I'll say yes. I think he's capable. I'll say yes. Right, right, now, <laughs> right now, he's on par with Tertavius Friday, Nick Harbour, Brody Buffington. Those are where he's. Right now in the history books, let's see if he can move up a little bit. Um, anything else to add on Ethan Edgeworth out of Alabama? Really? Good. He have the? Does he still have the two mile lead in the country? Or the thirty two, not the two mile. I obviously. think that just got broke by Danny Simmons. Oh, correct. But uh, he's still one of the top ranked. Yeah, yeah two he's two. He's two. Eight fifty three. Yeah, in both the sixteen and the thirty two. So. One of those top Small school in Alabama. I just wanted to give the guy props. I yeah. mean, obviously, uh, he doesn't compete against great guys up until maybe March, but um, he deserves some credit there. All right, let's go to the national record watch. Some national records have gone down already, but some may be in store for us soon enough, which brings us to the 4 by 200 mm. Bull School's girls record of 134.75 from 2018 could be on the verge of going down this year with Montford Academy's girls just three hundredths of a second away from the mark. Olivia, I think you're pretty on on the nose here. What I'm you, right what on the thoughts? nose. I'm like 95% sure this is going to go down. The only reason why I'm giving that 5% is you just got to do it on the day, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the the next opportunity for this to happen is national. So I'm think, taking into consideration, you know, part of that squad is um, Deja Hodge. Mm-hmm. So she's gonna, they're going to have races underneath their belt mm-hmm. before they step into this 4 by 2 But we already know Mountain Verde Academy looks – ready mm-hmm. to go they were just three hundredths of a second off running that at milrose and they pretty much ascent i don't want to say they did by themselves but like bullets was right there bullets yeah. was a few steps Bullis back um they went 135 25 but you know that's over that's about a half a second lead so i feel like mountain bird is just right there and i can see it going down for sure at new balance um they just got to put it all together one last time a lot of pressure ashley See, Lyft said 95% chance this goes down. I say 100%. Oh, God. Oh, Ashley. What? Ashley. Look at this. Okay. Like you said, they're only three hundredths of a second off at Milrose. 134.75 is that record. At New Balance Nationals, I I mean, that's the place where you're going to break records, right? And Montverde has the crew to do that. Again, they they already broke the 4x4 national record earlier this year at the VA Showcase. Just add that 4x2 in there. All you got to do, like, three hundredths of a second is like a Think about cleaner handoff. Like think about the it rounds is. that they're about to be running at yep. New Balance. They have rounds too. Who yep. cares? Who cares? What? No, you it. can't Milrose say who had, cares. I think Milrose that had that, one race. that is the fear, I guess, in in the rounds and the prelims yeah. that you run into with handoffs. I've seen it before. Like teams have made mistakes when they they were the clear and set favorite to win these races, and they've dropped the baton or, you know, they've had a bad handoff and, it, and it's thrown them back in, in the in the seating. So, I mean, it can have an effect. Like, they got Adesha. She's going to be in the 60 and the 2. And they now, did that last year. Yeah, but they didn't break a national record in 4 by Oh, so they didn't have Skylar Franklin. They didn't have, a, you know, but this whole crew here. Olivia Skylar wasn't Franklin. who she was last year. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's and a then, different crew. Yeah. And then Skylar, she's probably going to be in that 4. She's going to have rounds of that. I, they can... I, I think the team can clearly come into a four by two having run other races, right, and still be effective. Like, agree. We agree. I'm right? not saying they're not going to be okay. effective, but and that's it, why I say 95. percent But also, like, even if it's not Montverde that does it, I think Bull School could do it too. I mean, they weren't that far okay. off. Okay, yeah, so I fair. feel like that's All another right. thing yes. to say too. It's not like we have just 
that's the only team that could break this record. I think Bullis could very well break this as well. So if you have those two battling it out, like competition also fuels fast performances. Well, well. cross fingers, I think, from all of us that the everything runs smoothly. They get into the finals. Yes. Bullis, Archbishop Carroll, Union Catholic, they all get into the finals as well because all four of those teams ran times at Melrose that put them in the top 50 all time in the four by two. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a great assembled oh, field awesome. if we can get that at uh, the national championships. Now, you know, the stakes, the pressure, all of that kind of builds, though, and you just sort of cross your fingers and you hope that everything goes smoothly because if that is the case, then Montford sets a new national record. Mm -hmm. And may maybe even another, another team goes past the former national record, right? Yeah. Isn't that how that normally goes? I feel like, it, yeah, that's how it goes. I'm all for it. Yes. But I don't know. We'll, we'll get the team that has it going up against a team that wants it. No better storyline there. Final segments here from the PTFC Indoor State Championships. They arrive on our calendar on Sunday at Penn State University, and they'll showcase the best that the Keystone State has to offer. Let's dive into the athletes and teams to watch this weekend, keeping in mind we already had a long discussion on, on Drew Griffith. <laughs> Ashley, <laughs> let's go to you first. Who do you have for athletes? For, for me, for my athlete, I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to see Allie Delisi of Penn Charter. She's a junior there. I'm excited to see what she can do in this 800. She's currently U.S. number two in this event. She's gone 209.38, just ran that at the Ocean Breeze invite in early February. She's got some speed to her. You know, she's gone 57 this season in the four, but she's also gone 453 for 1600. So I feel like that 800 right there is probably her sweet spot. She won this race last year in 211.84. So I expect her to potentially go faster here. And if you're looking at the 800 on the girl side in Pennsylvania specifically this year, it's been super competitive. If you look at the top three times in the U.S. this season, they're all owned by Pennsylvania athletes. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we could see something really special there. I like it. Yeah. Olivia. Thank you. All right, the guy that's on your screen right now is Jaden Horton-Mims, and this kid blasted to the season this year, really caught a lot of our attention after he edged out Quincy Wilson in the 300 meters at that Armory Officials Hall of Fame Invitational, mm -hmm. completely demolished a 38-year-old record where he went 32-92, which is currently right now U.S. number two, right behind Kane Stanley, who did that at Milrose. But he's entered in the 200-400 double, and I'm excited to see how much faster this kid can go? He went 21-20, and he's also gone 47-60, which puts him in the top six in the nation right now. He holds that number five spot in that 200, number six in the four. So I feel like this kid, Jaden, is on a roll, and we could potentially see something fast from him. State record in the 200, Austin Kratz, 21-01. Does it go down? Ooh. Ooh. I don't know about that. Can I give a percentage? I'll say Do that. it. Yeah. Let's see, like. 35%. 35%. Okay. I could see it. Yeah, I could definitely see it. I, I think he's capable of, of really putting that down. So yeah. I agree. Pennsylvania. I'm from Hershey. It's my home state right now. <laughs> great amount of high school stars uh, in the Keystone State. Horton Mims, as you mentioned. Griffith, Silstick, Logan St. John Kletter, Avery Lewis, Veronica Vaca, Ryan Pajak, Jordan Sowell, per, and primetime PA track stars right now. I've always felt, though, that Avery Lewis is the girl that could leave her career as the best ever on the mm. girl side. She already has a uh, couple indoor records in the 60 in the long jump, outdoor in the long jump. I think she has the capability of going forth towards getting state records in the 200 indoors and maybe the 200 outdoors. I think she's that good. I've always believed in her. Mm. Um, I know there's been a little bit of like with you. <laughs> is she is she the girl? I've always believed it. Okay. Yes. I don't know. Girl. All right. He's I'm just girl. saying. I'm just saying. She She's up is there. an absolute uh, beast. And I think she has a capability now of going after that 200 meter mark. She has to run faster than 23.51. That would beat um, uh, from, from PA. Sorry, I'm bringing it up right now. Thelma Davies from 2019. That's who she has to beat in the 200. But obviously, she already has the long jump record. And the 60 record of 7-2-2 from last year, which is just lightning fast. So Avery Lewis for me. She's in those three events uh, this weekend. All right. Top race on Sunday. It might very well be the uh, girls' mile, yes. which will feature Logan St. John Kletter, Olivia Silslack, Ren Kuklier, and, and many others. Uh, is this a foregone conclusion on, on who's going to win? Olivia. I feel like the biggest question for me is how many girls are going to go under 450? I feel 450? I was going to say yeah. uh, 455? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. 455, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's fast, Olivia. Yeah. I mean, for the for the field, I think only two girls are under 450. Well, that's what I'm saying, but they're going to I feel like they're going to push this a little bit. It's a state championship. Yeah. The tactics are more involved, I feel yeah. like. I see. Yeah. But I'm rooting for multiple girls going under 450. Yeah. Right now, I feel... There, it feels like there's going to be two packs, though. I, there might be two be, packs, yes. Yeah. But I feel like, as you mentioned, Corey, this is such a loaded field, and that's why I'm so excited to see this girl's mile. Uh, you have Olivia C. Slack, who's the fastest girl in the state in the 800 and the 1600, while Logan St. John Clutter is the state fastest miler and 3,200 meters. So we're con- we're going to see this like clash yep. a little bit between distance uh distances between these athletes but logan right now has the fastest time in the state with a 448 which she ran at the va showcase and then ren as another athlete that you mentioned won 453 you have bailey espinoza who's also ranked in the top 10 in pennsylvania right now with the 456 and then robin colser with a 459 olivia goes in with the best of 505 which she ran at the milrose game so i feel like this is an opportunity for a lot of these athletes to come and you know obviously they're going for those state championship titles and going for a personal best too so i feel like this is going to be great it's going to be an exciting race for sure do you think this comes down to st john clutter and seal slack yeah i think that's yeah. going to be that race and again if, if anyone could go under 450 it's those two um and like you said i think there's going to be some separate packs there maybe them and maybe run in that pack as well up at the front but it's, it's interesting to me because you have uh, Logan St. John Clutter, who I believe is the defending champion. She won this race last year in 4.53. Then you have C-Slack, who, again, she's, I believe, the nation's top 800-meter runner right now at 2.09. Um, but she's not going to be racing in her primary event. I didn't see her on the entry list for the 800, so she's going to be going all out for this mile. So I feel like that changes things a little bit in terms of how we view C-Slack going into this race. I don't know. It's going to be a toss-up, I think, between those two. Maybe I lean St. John Clutter just because of her experience. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I believe she ran the she won the mile at VA Showcase, With and she looked really impressive go, there. So I think that's, you know, something to consider. I, I think it's interesting. Both of these girls had really great moments uh, in their respective distances. Um, 448, as you mentioned, the mile for St. John Clutter, 446 and 1,600 meter for a But they also had their failures, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clutter ran 455 at Grand Prix, which wasn't her best race. And then Seal Slack, as you mentioned, 505 Milrose, which put her in, in last. So mm-hmm. each of them are coming into this knowing that, like, I, I I understand, like, how I get to my best form. But also, if I if I, everything doesn't go right... Obviously, things can change, mm-hmm. um, and you understand sort of what that loss means in the wider context of your season. So I think that ultimately will teach them how to race this race. I think it will be strategic. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think you want to put all your cards on the table in the first, you know, two, three laps. I think th- they are going to surge toward the end. I think it's going to be a wild last maybe 400 meters for both of them. But they have both both of them have the speed. Does it come down to 800 meter speed, though? I don't it know. Could. It could. Maybe. What does St. John Clutter have to do to win this race against an 800-meter runner who's run 209, right? Yeah, it's interesting because if it it does play tactical, then if you're Logan St. John Clutter, you can't push it at 400. You got to push it at 800 probably or maybe 600 to go. Yeah. Um, You can't let it come down to the last 400 because I think that's where C-Slack could probably be more dangerous in terms of her speed and her kick. Um, so maybe if you're St. John Clutter, you try to make it a pretty honest race. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's what you do if you're her and you're trying to win this race. I personally, I think you hold until the final 150, 100 meters. Huh. Really? Okay. Yeah. Because I, I, you know, you've you've seen that before happen with, ra- like, you know, athletes like Leachman who try to like kind of push it out. Obviously, she wants to make sure the Humphreys can't kick on her, right? But then ultimately, like. Once Humphrey stays on you and then she, she you know, kind of takes you, it's a different race at that point. So I think St. John Clatter could stick on Seal Slack. I don't think Seal Slack's going to sort of surge on her. They're both going to play each other. So I think if you wait till who's, who's the la- person making the last move is what I'm saying. I think you wait until the very last moment to make that move and you just stick on each other up until that moment. Because yeah. if you make a, a move too early and you don't time it right, you don't have the race. You know what I mean? Yeah. However, I am watching this race of Logan State John Clutter behind us. And if you look at who's in second there, that's Charlotte Bell. I mean, she's like a 207, 800 runner, I think, outdoors. So, like, maybe you do make the move earlier. I don't know. All right. Ashley's pro move early. I'm pro move late. I feel like you're – if you're Logan St. John Clutter, I feel like you have to be pro move early. And my reason being is, like, C-Slack has – 
foot speed. That's the thing. Like you're you're a two tw- like yeah. Right that's, now, that's, why, that's, why that's why that's why I'm saying that's why I'm saying stick on C Slack. Wait for her to 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 surge. You surge when she goes. You don't make that move before she does. Mm, I think I want to add a little bit of separation. All that's- right. If you want to lose the race, Olivia, <laughs> you can add a little bit of separation. That's all I'm saying. No, I don't know because <laughs> once C Slack takes off. I don't know if I can hold on. Like that, imagine. Like, remember when? Like I'm, I'm just imagining Jonathan Sims when we went to film that workout Wednesday. I had to be in front of the kid. Yeah. His homie is, is sprinting. Okay. I can't make my move late after Jonathan Sims because he's going to be gone. Okay. Well, he runs the 400. So I know, but that's, that's a completely different situation. <laughs> <laughs> that's how, this, you're talking to a sprinter here, so okay. it's like that's where my brain goes. I yeah. feel like I have to kick. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I yeah. like both sides of it. I can understand where you're coming from. Uh, personally, I would just I would make it late, but we'll see what happens. This yeah. is this is why you race. This is why you, you wait for the state championships and you see who wins on the day. So that'll be live on Mile Split on Sunday, and we're gonna have a lot of stuff going down. Milesplit.com. A little bit more of a light week, I think overall. Michigan Indoor State Championships, Pennsylvania State Championships, a couple more. Um, but we'll have content for you on the site uh, as the week goes by. And, again, we'll be here next Tuesday for On the Line. Thank you so much for being a fan of this podcast and listening to us. We will see you next Tuesday. Thank you. <laughs>